It's hard to live up to the sign behind me, the best star of your week. That's, uh, that's pressure. But that's just the what I'm, I'm ready to do. I, I, I said, you know, D uh, Dennis and I are dear friends. I mean, I love Dennis. I admire Dennis, your pastor. Uh, I, I just think... I just think he's a, he's, a, he's a great brother. You know, I, I always talk about our, like, family resist, resemblance. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, you know, there's not a lot of resemblance, but, we, hey, he is my brother from another mother. <laughs> uh, I like Eastside. I could, I could easily be a person who could come through the garage and drink milk out of your refrigerator. <laughs> You know, that, uh, you reserve only those things for family. Family only get the, well, some of you probably don't even let your family drink out of the gallander. Yeah. It's sort of interesting. This is the greatest, most glorious time of the church worldwide. Hundreds of thousands of congregations are all celebrating for the next 40 days from Easter last Sunday to the 40th day, which is the Ascension Day, and then 10 days after that, Pentecost, these 50 days are the great 50 days in Christianity. It's the most important days of the liturgical year. Christians, their reflection, homilies, celebrations, rituals, everything has to do with one glorious revelation, which I will sum up in one of the first, earliest witnesses of the church, one of the ways that we greeted each other. Christ is risen, and you respond. Now, that seems very, like, low-key, even for me. Christ is risen. He is risen yes, he is. He is risen indeed. Christianity is an announcement religion. We proclaim. We express. Certain things happened. Commentary was, were, was given on those things. And now we express in our lives, in, 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 in the way we live, the way we think, our sermons, our, our, our vocations, everything that we do is to simply give testimony to what God has done. Now, we this year at the Institute are focusing on Paul. I think this is a great way that we envision him. We're reading all these books on Paul. We're thinking about Paul. We're reflecting on Paul. Paul sort of is the prototype of what the apostles did. This is a picture probably of maybe Paul and Caesarea Maritima, or maybe in Rome with the Praetorians. He was in prison several times. Scholars debate how often. But the one thing we know from Philippians is that he never, he never quit talking. He was constantly talking. He talked to the guards. He talked to the, to the Praetorians. He talked to the members of Caesar's household. He was constantly expressing what, what is this great, amazing, glorious message that we have, that Jesus of Nazareth, who once was dead, is alive. The death is dead, hell is busted, everything has changed now. Those of us who believe are never going to die, we're going to shine like stars in a new heaven and new earth. And nothing can stop. <laughs> nothing. Nothing can stop this. Now, if you are like me, I think that the very core of Christianity is the great confession. The confession of Christianity. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He can do whatever he wants. He spoke and twirled trillions, literally 200 million stars in our galaxy, as many galaxies as stars in the Milky Way, Un incredible distances between each star. And the scripture says that our Father, through the Son, 
literally spun these things in open space on nothing. And this person became a human being tucked in the uterine wall of a woman and passed through the birth canal and became a man. Come on now. Now, see, in the black church, people would have said, Don, make that plain. Keep talking that, boy. Shoot. You know, now, I don't expect y'all to do that. I don't. But I expect you to do something. Look, I'm a serious man. I'm a theologian. Don't, don't. But I believe, I believe with all my heart that Christianity is a joyous religion. It's all celebration. If Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a party, and I understand that. It's a party. The kingdom of heaven is moving into this faith, declaring this faith, embodying this faith, telling my friends and neighbors about this. Something amazing is about to happen and quite literally Easter tide. These 50 days from Easter Sunday to Pentecost is the time for us to do it. You know, the church historically has banished sorrow during this period. No sorrow. They changed the liturgy during this time. Everyone must be open to celebration and joy because Christ is alive. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen? Yeah, I'll teach you. I'll teach you. I'll teach you. I'll complain to Dennis. He'll teach you too. I want to talk about in today's week, the second week of Easter in the Revised Common Lectionary, uh, every, every week there is a text given. Uh, literally hundreds of thousands of congregations follow this reading schedule. Uh, over three years, you get to read through the entire Bible. This is your C, the book of Luke. John is a, is a pinch, pinch hitter. He, he is just scattered through all the lectionary. This week, in hundreds of thousands of congregations, they are considering John 20, 19 through 31, which I'd like to briefly talk about. This is about, amazingly, the, uh, Thomas, uh, the doubting one. Uh, I want to talk about overcoming doubt in the face of the resurrection of Christ. If you're a believer, you struggle with doubt. Sometimes your faith isn't strong. Sometimes it seems like God isn't possible. I am, I am from a tradition where we testify in church. Now, testifying in the black church is a, sort, a certain thing. We actually have meetings where we do nothing, but all of us come. And if you got something you want to say about what God has done for you, you stand up and you raise your hands and you say it. And it, 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 there's, it's formulaic. It's like to testify means that you speak boldly, authoritatively, expressively on what God Almighty has done in your life. And so, you know, there's formulas. You'll have, uh, you know, people will stand up and say, God woke me up this morning and started me on my way. He gave me food to eat and he, he's done everything. I mean, you can literally, you, anything God has done for you, you testify to it. You talk about it. You raise a hand and you admit it. God Almighty has been good to me. I, I got food to eat, clothes on my back, shoes on my feet. I can get around on my own. My God is what? I mean, you just do that. And you just do that and it, it builds you up, builds your faith up. Now, if you're from a tradition where you're real quiet and you never say anything about your faith, read Psalms 107.1. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom the Lord has redeemed. I, I think you should be loud. I'm the sort of person, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ruin things in heaven for y'all. <laughs> ruin. 
I'm gonna, I'm, Gabriel's going to be, Don, would you shut up? Lord, look at what Don is doing. And I think the Lord is going to say, leave my boy alone. Look at him. <laughs> Shoot. I love that boy. Usually after you say everything, you end your testimony by saying, can I get a witness? And then somebody say, yeah. Y'all can say, yeah, try. Yeah. yeah. Why don't you put a little tone on it? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Go ahead. Try. Try. Come on. Yeah. I mean, try it sometimes. Y'all are just, you know, there were some people saying, uh, does he actually want me to say, uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> Guys, you're accustomed to testimony. It's a big part of American jurisprudence. Now, I'm from the generation where Perry Mason was the man. Perry is the man. Perry had those big saucer eyes, big owl eyes. He would put somebody on the stand, and he'd start going at them until finally that person would crack. And then you knew that the movie was near, you know, the segment was nearly done. He would always get them to admit it. I did it. I did it. Yes, I did it. I did it. They, would, they would admit. Now, many of you are on the law and order sort of track. You looked at this show. During the Great Tribulation, Law and Order reruns will be played. This is the most played show in the history of shows. But the same principle exists. There's testimony given, and the testimony that's given in the box is the same as evidence, the same as truth. It's same, uh, testimony and proof are the same in a court of law if that testimony is right. Dear friends, uh, I, I like the way the city of Cleveland has done this. When Before uh, Ephraim fell out of sort of disfavor, he left and won a few championships in Miami. There was on this huge building in Cleveland, and it was like four or five stories, this picture of, of LeBron. Uh, and, and, and the title of it was We Are All Witnesses, which means essentially what Cleveland was saying, that we have the best player who has ever played the game. He's 6'10". He's got 7% body fat. He can jump over a backboard. He's strong as a gorilla. And when he moves, then we're all witnesses to basketball greatness. Guys, this idea is the central idea of Christianity. The central idea of Christianity is God Almighty has done certain things, and he has borne witness to that. And because that is true, we can overcome all doubt. And that's what I want to talk about. Thomas will help us maneuver this. I'll, I'll, I'll be quick. Uh, Thomas is an amazing person in the history of Christian reflection. There are more pictures artists have depicted uh, Thomas in so many different ways. He is easily one of the most talked about, referenced, and, 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 and portrayed uh, disciples. And some, by the way, other pictures are absolutely gross. Here's a picture by, written by one of the classic guys where his finger is in the hole uh, I think this is totally unbiblical. It's sort of, I, 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 I even debated whether or not I would show you guys. I'm glad that it's kind of dirty. You can't see it just perfectly. Or maybe you do. But, but Thomas, in his inspection of Jesus' wounds and his holes in his side, Thomas had doubts. And I want to talk about doubt. He went from being reluctant to, to recognizing our Lord. And that journey, that interior journey, where you struggle with your doubt, you admit your doubt, but you accept the witness of God regarding what he did in Jesus of Nazareth, that journey is replicated in all of our lives and for every one of us. 
you must overcome the doubt that is in you. I've never met a Christian I, I, I trust who has not wrestled with doubt. If you've never had doubt on how you know what you say you know, how do you know that Jesus of Nazareth is alive right now? How do you know? I mean, absolute ironclad no. How do you know? You have not examined him. You've never, have you ever seen a resurrected body? How do you know any of this is true? What if this is all a big hoax and this is just a game? What if we're wasting our time? How do you know what you say we were singing? My Savior lives. My Savior is alive. Thomas is the one that we can, we can think about this. And, and this text in, in John 20, I've just conveniently divided into three little sections. It, it begins with Jesus appearing before the ancients 10 on the evening of Easter evening. He comforts and commissions them. And then Thomas, who was not in the room, who was absent from this visitation, doubts what the apostles say. And he sets his own personal requirements for faith. And we'll look at those. And then our Lord, knowing Thomas's doubts, actually manifests himself to Thomas. And he invites Thomas to examine his body. And Thomas, in response, adores the Lord. And I think that there's a lesson here that can help us not only on Easter, the second week of Easter, but throughout our whole lives as disciples and followers of Jesus of Nazareth. Thomas is a prototype of our lives. Well, to begin with, let's look at, if you have a Bible, you can turn to John 20, verses 19 through 31. I'm going to actually put the English Standard Version text on the screen so you can just follow along. Uh, the, the, first, the first episode in this scene is our Lord appearing to the ancient 10. There, there, uh, and John, the apostle, talks about this. Verse 19 of chapter 20 of John reads, On the evening of that great day, of that day, this is Easter day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Wow, I love that text. When he had said this, this peace be with you, he showed them his hands and his side. He showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad <laughs> when they saw the Lord. They were just glad. Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. An amazing text. Extraordinary. On Easter Day, our Lord, according to John, appears to the anxious ten. They were cowering. They were anxious. They were afraid. They were behind closed doors for fear of the Jews. By the way, this is very important. The testimony of the Gospels, if you took all 80-some-odd chapters of the four Gospels, the vast majority of the Gospels are on the last few days of Jesus' life. It's not a biography. There's, there's nothing, literally, outside of one adolescent story between years 12 and 30. In some books, the, from chapter 12 to 21 in John, literally cover just a few days. That is not a biography. 
The Holy Spirit is not interested in just giving us all the data about the historical Jesus. That search is not what he's interested in. It's like the last few days of our Lord's time on earth is what the Holy Spirit wants us as believers to look at. Those days are what he wants us to, to hone in on. These guys, who would be the ones through whom we believe, they were not just strong, waiting, knowing what the Scripture said, believing the prophets. They were afraid. They did not believe that this death of Jesus was a good thing for them. They were behind closed doors. They were cowering. They thought that the same guys that killed Jesus and tortured him and nailed him to a Roman torture stake were going to come after them. They were hiding, and it's in the midst of that that Jesus comes in. They're unwilling witnesses. This is important. Guys, they're not looking for this. The apostles, like Kierkegaard said, the great Danish theologian, he said the, 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 the apostles are not the smartest guys in the room, but they're in the room. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's only a handful of people who can absolutely say that they saw him. He revealed himself to them. They were, they were nervous, cowering, and Jesus comes in the present. Can you imagine what that was like? Wow. I don't know how the Lord showed himself, <laughs> but I have an imagination, and he comforted them. They were the cowering ancient ones. He was the comforting faithful one, and he, he comforted them. He said, peace be with you. As, you know, he showed them his hand in, in his side. He showed them. He gave them evidence. Acts chapter 1 says that for 40 days, our Lord gave these guys many infallible proofs. He gave it to them. He gave it to them. He didn't give it to everyone. Read the apostolic kerygma. Just take every apostle's sermon in the book of Acts and lay them down. Copy them with a with a machine, and then just get every sermon that the apostles ever taught. Every one. Every sermon that they taught. In every sermon, you will have those guys talk about how Jesus died, how he rose, and how he revealed himself to us. They're the only ones who can preach the sermons that they preach in Acts. Because in their sermons, they said, we actually ate and drank with him. We had breakfast. We had McNuggets with the Lord after he rose from the dead. They're the only ones who can do that. No one else on earth can ever do that. Whatever your faith is, it's not that kind of faith. Do you hear what I'm saying? No matter what you do, what your doubts are, how good you know the Bible, you will never know our Lord the way they knew. He came to them. He, he, he let them examine him. He showed them his side. And then he, 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 he he comforted them, and then he commissioned them. He said, as a father sent me, so I send you. I mean, I love the way that, 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 that artists and movies and the arts try to depict this amazing moment, the resurrected Lord with these nervous, cowering, fearful disciples. There are all kinds of different things. There are dozens and dozens of paintings and artwork, but this is my favorite. Yeah, this is Christianity at its core. They were not expecting it, guys. Do you know that? They were afraid, nervous, cowering. They were hunkered down. They were trying to be quiet. And in the middle of that, with the doors being locked, Jesus appears right in the middle of them and shows them himself. 
and comforts them. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, look at their eyes. I love their eyes. Just perfect. Absolutely perfect. Now, the Bible says, the second scene in this text, Thomas was not present. Thomas, this happened on the, on the evening of the first day. This is the Easter day where our Lord reveals himself to them. They're glad when they see the Lord. They're, they're relieved. They can't believe it. But Thomas was not there. Now, look what John says in verse 24 and 25 about Thomas. The doubt of this demanding disciple. Look at the demands that he puts. He, now, Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. He didn't hear Dennis's last sermon. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. <laughs> wow, can you imagine? He comes in with groceries, and these guys say, hey, man, look here. We have seen the, the Lord ain't dead. Do you believe that, man? He's, man, we saw him. I'm as close as I am to you. I'm telling you. By the way, if you don't read the Bible with tone, you're not reading the Bible right. <laughs> you think they just said, we have seen the Lord. <laughs> no. They said, man, we've seen the Lord. Golly, this is great. <laughs> wow, man, he, he, he came to us. You heard it? Where were you at? Guys, what is significant here is Thomas, Thomas is reluctant. He does not accept their word. He does not accept their testimony. He rejects what they say. They testified to him and he said, no, he was not there. He didn't believe it. As a matter of fact, he laid down some fresh requirements for the price of his faith. He said that if I'm going to believe, then I need to put my finger in the mark of his hands. I must see the scars themselves. I must put my hand in his side. I'm never going to believe if I don't see it. Never. Now, guys, this is important, especially in 21st century science-oriented, scientific, rationalistic, democratic, liberal American society. This is the way we think, right? How many people do you know who have raised from the dead? If one of your friends who doesn't know the Lord said, how do you know that Jesus is alive? Can you tell me that? Have you ever seen any person who's risen from the dead? Do you, do you know anybody who saw him? How do you know any of this is true? As a matter of fact, think of what Thomas, think of the weight on, on Brother Thomas. Thomas was among the 11. He saw the Lord. He saw the Lord endure his passion. He saw the Lord carry his cross. He saw the, the beating and the, and the crown and the blood and, and, and the striking. They saw the indignity. He saw it all. He experienced that. He, he, was, he saw our Lord breathe his last, hoisted between two worlds, tortured on a stake. There's no way on earth, Thomas says, I'm going to believe that the tomb is empty now unless I can see it. I'm not going to believe it. I will never believe that, no matter what you guys say. If I don't have a personal opportunity to check out his hands and look at this for myself, I will not believe it. And in this, Thomas represents a great number of people in the history of the church. Guys, is this wrong or not? Is Thomas's view wrong? Is, is, should we upbraid Thomas and say, how dare you? The Lord came to the disciples. Why didn't you just accept that? 
what's the matter with you? Man, you never believed anything. You know, what, what do you think they said to him? Thomas simply, Thomas is a good American scientific rationalist, right? Guys, you live in a society where we verify what we believe. We don't go around just believing any old thing. Did God actually stop the sun for Joshua? Or did Jesus put his head in, 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 in the tomb and just with words, Lazarus, come out. Did, did, a, did Lazarus come out, Inchi? Could Jesus just look at the demoniac of the Gadarenes who's breaking chains and howling like, like Jesus just gave him permission and, and thousands of demons went into a herd of swine and went over the cliff? What about the woman who was all twisted or the woman with the issue of blood for 18 years? Could Jesus just say that? How do you know any of that happened? How do you know? Now, if you're from us, you're from our land, our people, our society, we need proof. By the way, in science, if it's not verifiable, it can't possibly be true. All you can say about it is that it may be true. So most Christians, you just have to be an agnostic because you can't prove nothing. You weren't there. You don't know anybody who's there. You can't examine nothing. Right? Come on, y'all. Right. What, what, did, what did Jesus do? Did Jesus, guys, this is really us, right? This is us. This is our society. We don't want to talk about weird things. Donkeys talking and axe heads floating. We know that those are in the Bible, but we don't mention those. We'll get them in the church and then we'll talk about that. You don't leave with that for heaven's sake. No, no, no. Guys, you know what Jesus did? Jesus actually manifested himself to Thomas. This is an amazing thing. He, he manifested himself to the apostles. He listened to Thomas. Listen to what the word says in verse 26 through 29 of John. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. Eight days later, eight days from Easter. It's this day, right? It's, it's our day. This is the second week of Easter. Easter was last week. Eight days later, they're inside again. And Thomas this time is with them. Now, although the doors are still locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Catch this. Then he said to Thomas, there's no word that he talks to anyone else. He manifests himself in the room and he goes to Thomas and he says, put your finger here as if to motion. You can read that, but it's like Jesus is saying to him. Jesus is revealing himself to Thomas. This is about Jesus, our Lord, and the doubter. Put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Jesus responded directly to his demands and his requirements. And then the Lord gave this, do not disbelieve, but believe. <laughs> oh, gosh. In the next verse, I think most of the artists that paint Thomas and our Lord, they put a lot of stuff between verse 27 and 28. It's like 27.1, 0.2, They will have Thomas actually examining Jesus, looking in holes, putting, putting his, you know, thing. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says when Jesus makes the invitation, Thomas is overwhelmed. 
He's absolutely overwhelmed. He says, my Lord and my God. So our Lord said, Thomas, uh, have you believed because you've seen me? <laughs> and then he says it to everyone gathered here at Eastside. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus manifested himself and invited Thomas to inspect the wounds, but all Thomas could do is adore the Lord and quite literally say, happy are those like us who have never seen. We did not examine the wounds, and yet we believe. So the artists in their imagination are like this. Between verse 27 and 28, they have Thomas actually examining, accepting our Lord's invitation and examining the holes. And this is true historically. All iconography and everything has Thomas examining. But that's not what the scripture says. This is what the Bible says Thomas did. And so like the optometrist, do you believe this or this? Let me show you again. This or this? You know, I, I, I go religiously to my optometrist and He's always, this or this? Guys, the Bible says this and this alone. The Bible says that the Lord revealed himself to Thomas, and Thomas was overwhelmed. Golly, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, well, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Dear friends, uh, if you understand the nature of witness in Christianity, Christianity is very much like what Thomas did. It's like the LeBron thing. We're all witnesses. And if you think about what it means to be a witness, think of the 11. They were first, they had a firsthand knowledge of the event. Jesus actually came in to the room and asked them to examine him, his body. Not another believer has ever experienced that except them. No one else has that privilege. They have it. And they were transformed by that experience. As eyewitnesses, they gave testimony to what they saw. And in a court of law still, the testimony of a person who is witnesses, who is actually can be preferred, is authoritative proof. Guys, if you ask what your faith is anchored on, it's not on how you're doing or your knowledge of the Bible or how things are doing or whether or not Junior is acting right. doesn't matter what your job is or how things are going in your life. Christianity is not rooted in anything existential that you know or do. It's not. It cannot be. If the apostles did not see our Lord, Christianity is just a joke. Read 1 Corinthians 15. Paul is clear on this. If our Lord is not alive, then we're false witnesses, and everything that you believe is untrue. But the truth is this, guys. Jesus of Nazareth actually revealed himself to the 11. He actually showed up. He actually came to them. He ate in front of them. They thought he was a ghost. Read the Lucan account. He ate. Ooh, good fish. He ate in front of them. Look at the accounts. All of the accounts are concrete. Concrete. They see him in John 21, and Jesus has bread and fish ready, breakfast. They eat with him. 
He's trying to assure them that this is not built on you. This is built on what I have done. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite think, one way of thinking about this is Archimedes. If you understand Archimedes, he gave a lot of good reflection on leverage. You know leverage, you take a long lever, you have a fulcrum, something to balance the lever, and you put it under a weight. And, and this is what he says about it. Give me one firm spot, a place to stand, a lever long enough, and a fulcrum strong enough, and I can move the earth. Christianity is not built on your personal experience, no matter what you think. You can feel great or not. You can think this is true or not. You can affirm this or not. But Christianity, in the end, is rooted in whether or not our Lord actually revealed himself to them. They, and their testimony, is the one secure spot. It's my place to stand. That's how I know I'll see my mother again. I'll see my son. He died in 2003, 26 years old. I've talked about him much when I've come here. Tall brother, 6'3", just caramel color, thick dreads, blonde tips, a rocker. Boy, he just, he would have liked, liked you guys, the, the worship team. Man, y'all got a kick in worship team. Amen. Dang, y'all can't even say that. Wow, shoot. <laughs> Guys, the point is this, is that the point, how do I know I will see my son again? And I will, I will introduce my wife and children to my dad when I die at 10 years old. How do I know? How do I know for sure? Because Jesus revealed himself to them, and that is the place to stand. If you understand the Nicene Creed, one of the great sections of the great faith. It was written in 325 by the bishops of the church. And the church, the church article in the Nicene Creed reads, we believe in one holy Catholic or universal and apostolic church. Apostolic. Name one thing you know for sure about Jesus of Nazareth that you cannot, that, that, that you got without an apostle's testimony. Name anything about Christ. That's authoritative and binding on all of us. The only thing you know about Christ came through apostles and their company. If they're wrong, we're all wrong. But hallelujah, guys, they're not wrong. Look at the way this text finishes up in John 20. Now, Jesus did many other signs. John, look, the Bible is, is comprehensive, but it's not exhaustive. Do you hear that? The Bible has a lot of wonderful stuff, all kinds of different appearings. But it is not exhaustive. Jesus did all kinds of stuff in the presence of the disciples. Do you see that? Not in your presence. Not you, but them. In John 17, he prayed for us who would believe through their word. And you're one of them. Read John 17 tonight. You are in our Lord's Prayer, because you have come to believe in him through the word that they have given. He did many things that aren't in the book, you know, that, that aren't in the book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Dear friends, I am a Christian because I believe the apostolic testimony. 
I don't care what anyone says or anyone thinks. If those boys are wrong, I want to be wrong. I will cling to nothing except what they say. I built my whole life on the basis of what they've testified. That is the ground that we stand on. He showed them, and they told us. And for 20 centuries, we've been passing that down. In homily, in liturgy, in mission, in gospel, this is what we do. This is why we have church. This is why we sing. Because God Almighty came into the world and demonstrated the truth. He revealed it to those that he wanted to. And they've given us an authoritative account, and we cling to that account with all our hearts. We are Christians. By the way, I told, I told uh, Dennis after the sermon in the first service, I said, Dennis, Eastside is an apostolic community. You know what Dennis said? He said, we sure are. He didn't hesitate one bit. He said, yes, that's what we are. We hold to what the apostles teach and what the apostles declare. Because right or wrong, goofy or not, cowering in a, in a room, they're the only ones who were given firsthand account of the great Nazarene. The only ones. So Thomas is my discipler. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a disciple of Thomas. Dear friends, uh, this is an interesting text. Jesus appeared before the ten. He took acknowledgement of the doubt of the disciple. He manifested himself as master to them. And this Sunday, all over the earth, over 300,000 congregations are admitting the truth of Thomas. This text is being read quite literally in Kiev and in Paris and in Lagos and here in Wichita because we all believe in what the apostles saw. Friends, you have a way to overcome your doubt. It doesn't come from you searching yourself or going on an interior journey. It's not about you. It's about them. May the Lord give us all grace, frankly, to go from our own reluctance to recognition. And what I'm hoping and praying is that there will be some east side people who will stand on their feet and give a witness. <laughs> Can I get a witness? Christ is risen. Pray with me now, would you? Lord Jesus, to the apostle who had great doubts, who made the crazy uh, demand that he would not believe anything you said if he did not personally examine your body. This, this amazing guy, this, this wonderful fellow who just wasn't there when you came. And Lord, look at the way you came to Thomas. You're so tender with us. You love us so much. You came to Thomas even in spite of his doubt. You came to him, spoke to this brother. You showed yourself to him, and you, 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 you asked him not to be disbelieving, but to believe. And he exclaimed, the Lord, in answer to your invitation, my Lord and my God. And with the 11, Lord, they bore witness. They bore witness that became a gospel. They bore witness that became the letters. 
They bore witness that became the book of Revelation, the New Testament. They interpreted for us the sacred promise. And now we, in 21st century America, here at Eastside in Wichita, we still cling to their testimony. We hold on to what they believe. And we do not look back. We cling to the truth that Jesus of Nazareth is alive. And one day soon he will crack the sky and set up a new order where justice and peace will reign forever. Lord, until that time, make us true disciples and followers of you. Help us not to waste our time. Help us to remind ourselves of what the apostles claim and who we are through them. Today, Lord, I thank you for Thomas, Brother Thomas. Thank you for his doubt. I'm thankful for your, your tenderness, Lord, with him, and your tenderness with our doubts. Have mercy on us, Lord. Walk beside us and teach us what it means to cling to the apostolic word, the witness of the risen Lord and King, Jesus of Nazareth, the Prince of Life. It's in your high name, Lord Jesus, I pray. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Amen.